You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Our God and Heavenly Father, we pray that you would come in might and in power into this place, that you would open the ears of our hearts, open our eyes that we may see. And Lord, uh, for those of us who are preaching this morning, wherever we may be, Lord, that uh, we would not preach coronavirus, but we would preach Jesus Christ is Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, John's gospel gives us a a beautiful story of a minor New Testament character, but a remarkable man with a remarkable testimony. I hope this morning that you might look at this man and see yourself. Well, how is that? What do you have in common with this man who was born blind? It's so long ago, 2,000 years ago, and yet he is a prototype for someone who comes to salvation through Jesus Christ. As his physical blindness is cured by stages, because we read here that Jesus calls to this man, he spits on the ground, he makes mud, he wipes it on the man's eyes, sends him to the pool, and it's then when he washes in the pool of Siloam that his eyes are opened... So for many of us, our eyes are opened spiritually in stages. At some point, the penny drops in our hearts, and we readily understand and comprehend who Jesus Christ is and who we are in Him. Let's look at Him, this blind man from birth, not only with our outward eyes, but by God's grace, by the eyes of our hearts. Now, as the disciples were walking along, they saw this man born blind from, uh, who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And in Jesus' answer, we find popular theology dashed. It's the age-old question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Where is God in the midst of this man's blindness? And the assumption more often than not is, did he do something wrong to be born blind? Or did his parents? Many of us do think that, that if bad things are happening to us, it's because of all of the bad choices that we've made in our lives. This is what Job's friends told him. All of this bad stuff is happening to you, Job, because you've done something to displease the Lord. Now, the difficulty here is that there is some truth to this. Bad decisions do bring upon us negative consequences. If if I leave here the Advent this morning and I go screaming down 280 at 100 miles an hour and the police pull me over and they throw me in jail, I can't sit there and say, how did this happen, Lord? Of course it's my fault. And so with our bad decisions, we should expect the consequences that go along with them. But in Jesus' answer, 
It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We see the end of karma for the Christian. Because whether we're willing to admit it or not, most of us actually believe in karma when it comes to God. God, if I'm really good, then that means that you will bless me. And if I'm bad, that means bad things are going to come my way. But that's not so in Jesus Christ. In Jesus, you have everything. And even in the midst of the bad, you can say, here is where God is. And that's what Jesus is saying here. It's not as parents that they sinned or that this man sinned, but the works of God might be displayed in him. Where is God in the midst of this man's blindness? He's right there. But we also see that things befall us. Great tragedies like this, or even what we're experiencing with coronavirus. Because the fact of the matter is, is that the world is broken down and sinful. The world that God created, that He declared good, has changed since creation because of the fall. It's now sinful and broken. And not just we as human beings, but the world itself. Paul writes this in Romans chapter 8 beginning with the 19th verse. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. When Adam and Eve ate, not only did the human race fall, but all of creation fell. And not because of their own works, but because of our works. And so when you wonder, how is it that we have hurricanes or earthquakes or famines or pestilences or plagues? In a very large part, it's because of this, because sin has broken down the world. And so, too, these things might come about, yes, because of bad choices, yes, because of the brokenness of this world, but it may also be the devil himself operating and working in this world. But ultimately, these things might be brought about by God himself. And that's what Jesus says here. This man was born blind that the works of God might be displayed in him. It was in God's providence that this man was born blind. All of this man's life was leading up to this moment. Before the foundations of the earth, the divine appointment with Jesus was scheduled. And he was blind from birth. There was never a moment where he knew sight. And the reason why he was born blind, that the works of God might be displayed. Well, what is the work of God? That question was asked of Jesus in John chapter 6 and verse 28, when they asked him, what must we do, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him and whom he has sent. 
That is what God is up to. That is what God is working out. And that is what ultimately we look for in the work of God, that we might believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and know God himself and enter into a relationship with him. It was this man's blindness that led him to the Lord. And that's hard for us to fathom. In some sense, it seems cruel. But part of it is rooted in the assumption that if something bad befalls us, then God can't possibly work it out for the good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. When I was in high school, a very close family member of mine was diagnosed with cancer. And when they went in to remove the cancer, they found that it had spread to such an extent that surgery was simply not an option. And this family member we had been witnessing to and and bringing to church and reading the Bible with. And so when I received the news that the cancer had spread and they sewed him up and they were going to have to rely on other treatments and they weren't so sure that those weren't going to work, that I thought, rats. We worked so hard to sow the seeds of the gospel, and now this bad news, which must be so discouraging that all of that hard work and all of the foundations that we tried to lay will be brought to naught. And so I called this family member there in their hospital room, and before I could ask how they were doing, they exclaimed, I have no doubt that the Lord Jesus has led me through this ordeal and that He will continue to sustain me until I die or until He comes again. When something like coronavirus happens, do we see God in it? Do we think that God is actually capable of redeeming it, that the works of God might be displayed in it? More than just praying for an end to this pandemic, which we ought to do, we ought to pray that God would bring many sons and daughters to faith in Him through it. After all, at this very moment, everyone around the world is contemplating their own mortality. Are you talking with your friends about it? They're thinking about it. You're thinking about it. This man's physical blindness in John chapter 9 and his physical healing are not the focus of chapter 9. The focus is Jesus Christ and his ability to open the eyes of your heart, his heart, and my heart. And so when bad things befall us, when difficulties begin to arise in our own lives, it's not when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. But like Job, though this body be destroyed, yet shall I see God. Where is God? He's here. And we begin to gain a right perspective on what we should be praying for and what we should be working for. Fanny Crosby, the great hymn writer who wrote Blessed Assurance, which we sang this morning near the cross, she was born blind. And one day, in writing back and forth between she and her mother, her mother asked Fanny, would she ever want to be healed of her blindness? 
And hear what Fanny Crosby wrote to her mother. If I had a choice, I would still choose to remain blind. For when I die, the first face I will ever see will be the face of my blessed Savior. That's eternal perspective in the midst of difficulty. This is the work of God that we're working toward. This is what we're looking for, that God would bring many sons and daughters to glory. And leading up to chapter 9, Jesus has been teaching in chapter 8 that He is the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And what he's been teaching in chapter 8, he now illustrates in the life of this man born blind in chapter 9. This is our focus. Jesus is what makes sense of his blindness. Jesus is what makes sense of the coronavirus. He is light and all else is darkness. And not only is this man healed of physical blindness, but spiritual blindness as well. It's kind of funny how blind people are in this passage. After he's gone and washed in the pool of Siloam, people began to ask, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And people who know him say, it's he. And others say, no, but he's like him. But he kept saying, I'm the man. Can you imagine everybody saying, it might be him? And he's saying, I'm right here. It's, it's me. I, I am actually who I am. They're not even sure who he is because they realize that he's undergone a change. But this change is not just physical and being able to see physically. The change is also spiritual. He's on the road to full sight. And as he's on this road to full sight, what is the response of those who are in authority? They cast him out. He's actually able to see Jesus for who he is, but the religious authorities of Jesus' day cannot. One of the great discouragements in the Christian life is the response of those who are in authority to a changed life by Jesus. The very people who are supposed to help you spiritually are often clergy and other leadership in the church. Within the past year, I heard of a friend in Birmingham who had grown up in church their whole life and came to know the Lord Jesus through a Bible study. And so they asked their friends in the Bible study, what should I do now that I've become a Christian? They said, go tell your pastor. And so this person went and told their pastor, and the pastor said to them, don't tell anybody. And the pastor said that because they were afraid that this person who had grown up in this church their whole lives, if they went about saying, I've just now become a Christian, that they were afraid that it might bring some discredit upon the ministry of that congregation. A nearby rector in the town that I grew up in had lunch with me when I was in college, and, and he asked me after I prayed the opening 
uh, grace before we, we ate, he said, Andrew, it sounds to me that you've been born again. And I said, yes, I have. And he said, what a pity. If the eyes of your heart are going to be opened and you're going to begin to seek after Jesus and you've seen your life changed, oftentimes you find yourself cast out by the religious authorities who are blind in their own hearts. But we see that that did not deter this man. His course had been set. He continued his pilgrimage, and he knew that he had to press on. And when they ask him, where is this Jesus? He's, I don't know. I was blind, remember? I don't know where he went. I just know that it was Jesus. And when Jesus heard that they had cast him out, so when you're cast out, know that Jesus is there for you, finds him and says, do you believe in the Son of Man in verse 35? The blind man now seeing said, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. The penny drops. The eyes of his heart have been fully opened in the same way that his, uh, the eyes in his face have been fully opened. And in that moment, he gives his life completely over to Jesus. That's what the word worship means. Worship is not just something that we do on Sunday mornings. A better idea of what you worship is by not observing what you do on Sunday, but the other six days of the week. Worship is giving God His worth. Worship is giving our lives over to Him that our lives, our souls and bodies might be a reasonable, holy and living sacrifice that our lives would be worshipped. And so it's not that the man just all of a sudden fell down and started worshipping at Jesus' feet, but it means that he gave himself over to Jesus and he began to follow Jesus, not just physically but spiritually. That's what, happen when the, that's what happens when the eyes of our hearts are opened. Has God opened the eyes of your heart this morning that you might believe on His Son, Jesus? Are you worshiping Him, giving your life to Him? Are you walking in the light? That's a hard thing to do right now. There are many in the midst of this awful tragedy of coronavirus that are walking around in darkness. They're afraid. They're afraid of what life is going to look like moving ahead. Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? How long will this social distancing go on? How long will we not be able to gather together as God's people? What if I get it? I've read the statistics. It seems rather bleak. It seems dark. And yet the light has come into the world and the darkness has not overcome it. 
Jesus is the light of the world, and in him there is no darkness at all. And so this morning that his light would shine into our lives, that he would give us the courage to share the gospel light with other people, that they might come to know the Lord Jesus and to know the great links that he's gone to by his death and resurrection to bring them out of darkness and to make them his children of light. And to know that his perfect love cast out all fear. Friends, if you're in Jesus, you're not walking in darkness. You're walking in the light. And even in the midst of coronavirus, where is God? God is right here. And He is still doing the work that He said He would do that many would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and believe on Him. Let us pray. Our God and Heavenly Father, these are uncertain times, and yet they're in Your hands. And Lord, we pray for those who are still blind in their hearts, that Your light would shine, their hearts would break open, and that they might see You as You are, and then they might come to know You and worship You and follow after You. Oh Lord, we pray that it would be so and that You might use us to be agents of this light in the world and that we might know what it means to be doing the work of God by believing in Him whom You have sent. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.